Welcome to His Story, where we tell the tales of God's faithful family throughout all generations. Jesus taught that those who do the will of God the Father are His brothers and sisters, and to those who received Him, He gives the right to be called children of God. This is our family. These are our stories. It was only natural for the gospel to begin to expand and invade the extended areas of the Roman Empire. God chose to send his Savior at a time in history where good news could travel and reach far and wide. The Romans had built roads throughout their empire, and as they continued to expand, they continued to build and bring a form of peace which allowed for both land and sea travel to be used for their own purposes as well as God's. One such area where the boundaries were pushed was into northern Africa. Thriving communities were established in this area that began to be quite prosperous because of their fertile farming fields and the access to oceanic trade. It's in the midst of this community that the seeds of the gospel began to spread and take root, most believe as early as 60 AD. By the turn of the third century, a thriving Christian church had arisen. God had raised up more than a hundred overseers of his church in the provinces of northern Africa, including notable church fathers such as Tertullian, Cyprian, and later Augustine. But today, we're going to hear about a story of someone maybe a little less known than these. Well, less known to us, but surely not less known to God. For this woman shared in both the graces and sufferings of Christ. Do you remember when Jesus told his followers that one day his truth would divide households? That some of them would even have to choose between their love for him and their own families? I know that's a challenging thing to think about, but these words ring true in the life of a noble woman named Perpetua. At this time in history, there was an emperor named Septimus Servorus who ruled in an area called Carthage. This is where Perpetua lived. What you need to know about the leaders in Rome is that while they were pretty lenient about letting people have their own religious convictions, There was one area to which they would not compromise. Above all, to them, Caesar was Lord. Their ruler was to be the ultimate ruler, and he was even seen as a god. To them, you could worship other gods that were besides Caesar, but you must sacrifice and pledge your allegiance above all to Lord Caesar. Well, as you could imagine, this over and over again, became a point of conflict between the early Christians and Rome. Because Jesus, not Caesar, is the Lord of all. 
And these Christians absolutely would not back down from spreading this message. Well, naturally, Emperor Severus saw this as a threat to his province, especially since the Christians and their influence continued to grow and grow. New converts were popping up every day, and he vowed to stamp them out. One of the first to be arrested in this wave of persecution was Perpetua. She was a mother in her young 20s who had a servant named Felicitas. Up until recently, she was a pagan, which means she worshipped the common idols of her day. But that changed. She had heard the good news of Jesus the Messiah, and her heart was changed. She was enamored by the Savior who gave his own life to rescue others, and who had the power to rise from the dead and forgive sins. She pledged her life to him and was preparing to be baptized along with Felicitas, who also believed. It was at this point, as a new believer, that she and her servant were arrested. She was ripped from her family and thrown into prison. Hearing word of this, her father came to her in prison because he knew exactly how to get her out. It's simple, Perpetua. Deny that you are a Christian. But Perpetua's answer was not what her father expected or even wanted to hear. Father, she said, do you see this vase here? Could it be called anything other than the name of what it is? Well, no, he replied. Well, neither can I be called anything other than what I am, a Christian. This filled her father with anger and he left. After a few days and some incredible provision from God, Perpetua was allowed the waters of baptism. And then the deacons from her church even convinced the guards to let her move to a better section of the prison so that she could breastfeed her son. And they brought him to her every day. Perpetua writes of a vision that she had while in prison of a bronze ladder that was ascending up into the heavens. At the base of this ladder was a fiery dragon, and he would attack any who attempted to climb, and upon each rung of this ladder were swords and knives and instruments of war so as to hurt and discourage any who wanted to ascend. She saw someone reach the top of the ladder, and he turned back to her saying, Perpetua, I am waiting for you. But take care. Do not let the dragon bite you. He will not harm me, she said, in the name of Jesus Christ. She then began to walk towards the ladder, and the dragon slowly stuck his head out as if it were afraid of her. She stepped on his head and went up the ladder. At the conclusion of her vision, she had reached the top, and she saw a man dressed in a shepherd's clothing, and sitting in a massive garden surrounded by thousands dressed in white. He looked at her and said, I'm glad you have come, my child. He gave her sweet milk, and as she drank it, the crowds yelled, Amen! Perpetua took all of this to mean that their lives, her and the prisoners, were coming to an end, and they would enter the presence of Christ through much suffering.
As her trial approached, her father continued to visit, and he was pleading with her, Have pity on my gray head. Have pity on me, your father. If I deserve to be called your father, if I have favored you above all of your brothers, if I have raised you to reach the prime of your life, and he would throw himself down before her, and he would kiss her hands, do not abandon me to be the reproach of men. Think of your brothers, think of your mother, your aunt, and of your child who will not be able to live if you are gone. Give up your foolish pride, Perpetua. Before I tell you how Perpetua responded to this, can you imagine the temptation she must have felt at this point? To just give in and to not stand for her convictions. She knows how to get out. She knows how to save herself. All she has to do is deny Jesus. And her own dad continues to beg her to do it. But what do you think she does? Well, she was undoubtedly emotional over all of this. But she remained unshaken because of her great love for Jesus. Her answer to her father was this. It will all happen in the prisoner's docks as God wills. For you may be sure that we are not left alone to ourselves, but all of us are in his Power. And so her father once again left. The day of the hearing had arrived. Perpetua and her friends were marched before the governor, Hyleranius. Her friends were questioned first, and each in turn admitted to being a Christian, and each in turn refused to make a sacrifice to the emperor's false god. The governor now turned to question Perpetua. At that moment, her father, carrying Perpetua's son in his arms, burst into the room. He grabbed Perpetua and pleaded with her, Perform the sacrifice! Have pity on your baby! Hyleranius, probably wishing to avoid executing a mother who was still nursing a child, added, Have pity on your father's gray head. Have pity on your infant son. Offer the sacrifice for the welfare of the emperor. But Perpetua replied simply, I will not. Are you a Christian then? asked the governor. Yes, I am, Perpetua replied. Her father interrupted again, begging her to sacrifice, but the governor had heard enough. He ordered the soldiers to beat him into silence, and then he condemned Perpetua and her friends to die in the arena. <laughs> Their death was a particularly brutal one, and I'm going to spare you the details, but I can tell you that the records indicate that they all faced it bravely and uncompromisingly. Perpetua, in particular, sang psalms and showed daunting courage in the face of death by standing each time she was knocked over and even helping the others rise back up to face both animals and finally the sword. The new life and death of Perpetua shows us the power of the gospel and the incredible love of Jesus that when we truly understand it, we realize there is nothing in the world, not family, nor wealth, nor comfort, nor anything that we would put before him. Perpetua, like countless others who have given their lives for the sake of Jesus, knew that death is an upgrade for the Christian. 
Jesus promised that his followers would be persecuted even unto death. But along with that promise was that his spirit would never leave or forsake them. And when they passed on, they would come into his presence with eternal life. We too have this same promise and can look to the courage and strength of examples like this to increase our own faith by God's grace. Remember, this is our family. These are our stories. Well, hey guys, this is Adam, and it's been great being with you today. You can always reach out to me Podcast at gmail.com and catch me on the Shine As Lights Kids Cast and Shine As Lights Podcast. Thanks again.